Something very remarkable happened in 1917 in Portugal. You may have heard of the apparition of Our Lady of Fatima in Fatima, Portugal, where uh, the Blessed Mother appeared to uh, three children and revealed a series of secrets that have been gradually revealed over the years. And um, there were uh, great signs in the sky. Uh, many people reported seeing the sun um, appearing to move around. Uh, people were terrified, thought it was the end of the world. But what emerged from this apparition were uh, three secrets. Okay? And there's a lot of controversy over the third secret. We know that Our Lady uh, prophesied the spread of communism. She mentioned how the heirs of Russia would travel around the entire world unless the Pope consecrates Russia to her Immaculate Heart. Now, there is a lot of controversy with the third secret because some are, are suspecting that it hasn't been fully revealed. It's been kept secret by the church. And in fact, that it reveals something that the church would want to keep hidden. Namely, that the third secret indicates that the persecution of the church will occur from within. That is, priests, bishops, cardinals will be responsible for the most severe persecution of the church. They will foster apostasy and confusion about the, about the faith and mislead Catholics to think things that are not really aligned with the Catholic faith. And the third secret is gaining traction today as we see a, uh, a movement in the church to introduce um, new teachings, a modernist movement uh, where we have Pope Francis, who seems very much committed to um, not the traditional doctrines of the church, but to a political agenda aligned with the uh, World Economic Forum, the UN, uh, this idea of a great reset after the coronavirus, where um, a severe global lockdown puts many people out of business the only way they can come back is through public money, stimulus money from the government. And uh, the government, in a global manner, picks winners and losers according to a climate change agenda. So whoever is green, whoever is a so-called green company, will receive this money and we will reshape the global economy in a more centrally controlled and socialistic manner. Okay, so the Pope is um, cloaking this agenda in religious language, talking about the prefer preferential option for the poor, uh, talking about social justice, and he's chipping away at um, just the basic fundamental doctrines of salvation, uh, of how to, how to get to heaven, um, you know, uh, you know, how, how to confess your sins. It's more about a social, politically driven ideology that, uh, for instance, teaches Catholics to not care so much about abortion, to have a more, a broader view of ethical issues and, and for instance, fight against the death penalty 
which is something that has been um, accepted in the church for many uh, centuries. So people are thinking that this third secret may in fact be occurring now as we see uh, so many upper level Vatican officials um, line up with a Marxist agenda for a global economy that is under the control of a one world government um, that who, who align themselves with people who advocate population control, who want to reduce the world's population and who advocate um, the diffusion of contraception and abortion uh, to control the world's population. Um, these things are contrary to Catholic teaching, but nevertheless, we see them having a privileged place in the Vatican. Okay, so there is a suspicion that the third secret is being hidden and precisely because it would expose what is going on in the church, which is that the persecution is beginning in the church. It's coming from within. There's an apostasy at the very top of the Catholic church. I'm referring to an article in LifeSite News It is written by um, Dr. Mike Hickson, who was born in Germany, and she holds a PhD from the University of Hanover in Germany. And she's now married, living in the U.S. and married to, to Dr. Robert Hickson. Okay. She writes about a priest by the name of Father Frank Unterhalt, who is a German uh, priest, and he um, interacts with this group called Communio Veritatis. Okay, so Dr. Uh, Hickson is uh, describing the thoughts of this priest, giving a history of uh, a gradual infiltration of the Catholic Church. Okay, so rather than attacking it from without, certain enemies of the church that attack it from without. They cloak themselves as well-intentioned priests when in fact they are ideologically opposed and hostile to the Catholic church. There has been an infiltration, okay, where people pretend to be priests, they get into seminaries, they rise up in the hierarchy, and they control the church from within. Seemingly, part of the church and leaders of the church, but actually in their hearts, they're committed to undermining the church. Okay. So there have been reports by uh, communists and communists who have converted, including Dr. Bella Dodd, okay, a former communist who converted to the Catholic church, that 1,100 priests have infiltrated the church uh, they are pretending to be priests when, in fact, their main mission is to um, chip away at the church. When I listen to Father James Martin or I read him on Facebook, everything he writes is, it's not like overt or flagrant. I, I hate the church. Okay, it's infiltration. So infiltration is subtle. You have to cloak yourself. But everything he writes is um, undermining or, or, or suggesting change or uh, lining up with this globalist agenda, which is actually just world socialism. Okay, uh, so um, 
Just now he put a post up about the possibility of women priests. He didn't say, I support this or let's do this. He just said, let's talk about it. In fact, he quoted somebody else who said, let's talk about this. Okay, so um, is Father Martin an infiltrator? Is he someone who wears a collar, pretends to be a priest, but in fact, in his heart, is just there to uh, cause confusion, to cause fragmentation, and, and ultimately to diminish and weaken the Catholic Church? So there have been reports of infiltration. It would make sense if you're a communist um, to uh, try to get into the church. Maybe it's easier to defeat it by pretending to be Catholic and getting a position of leadership than it is to be from outside and try to, you know, hey, I'm a communist, don't be Catholic, join me. Maybe it's easier to say, hey, I'm a priest, trust me, but I'm gonna give you this kind of different perspective that makes, that seems very seductive, but actually is weaponized to uh, reduce attendance at church, uh, to um, create confusion and to drive people away from the church. So uh, not only the communists, but also uh, the Freemasons, um, there was a uh, lodge called Alta Vendita, a Freemasonic lodge uh, that are trying to get a Pope, to install a Pope after our own needs, okay, that meets our needs. A Pope that is going to um, conform to the agenda of the Freemasons. So they're waiting for this Pope, just as the Jews wait for the Messiah, okay, the special Pope who will have a special gift of conforming to their agenda. Now the Freemasons are deist. They believe in this uh, God that is a grand architect of the universe. Okay, they don't really give this God a certain identity. It's not Jesus Christ. It's not a God who became incarnate and became man. It's just this um, creator God. Um, so they will accept Muslims, Protestants, Catholics, um, Jews, because the God is, is just a creator. Okay, he doesn't have any specific identity. All right, so um, they are pushing for this Pope who will meet their needs. Okay, uh, in 1917, uh, which is of course, of course is the year also of the Russian Revolution, Saint Maximilian Kolbe saw a Freemasonic parade. Now these guys um, do a lot of charitable work. They build hospitals and help children, uh, drug rehab sites. But they have, um, it, it is a kind of religion uh, it's a secret society where you have to take a vow um, not to reveal the secrets of the organization. Uh, and many powerful people have been Freemasons. Okay, so 1917, they were seen marching uh, by St. Maximilian Kolbe, and one of the signs they were holding up said, that Satan shall reign in the Vatican and the Pope will be his slave. So they want to infiltrate the church. They want to install a Pope who won't really worship worship Jesus Christ, 
but will worship the devil. Okay? And um, Pope Francis, he's a, he's a very troubling figure. Okay? Uh, introducing the idol of the Pachamama uh, into the Vatican, having a ceremony revering this idol. Isn't that a violation of the first commandment to only worship God? Um, this ecumenism, this, you know, discussing other religions as if they were equal to Catholicism, that, you know, God wants these different religions, which is what he said at um, Abu Dhabi, where he made this accord with a Muslim leader saying that God wills all the different religions. Uh, so Islam, Judaism, Christianity, they're all willed by God. And so all of them are good. They're all basically uh, ways to heaven. And Jesus Christ is not a privileged way. Okay. Um, this is, these are troubling signs. Could he be a Freemason? Could he be the Pope that they want? It's possible. Okay. And um, so they've been plotting for decades. Uh, the sign was, the slogan was being raised in 1917. Uh, and that was the year of the Russian Revolution. So the 17 appears to be a very important number. Um, and I'll get to that in a moment. So there, in, in years that end in 17, 15, 17, 17, 17, 19, 17, and then 2017, something strange, very strange happened. So we'll talk about that. But also the, the assassination attempt of Pope John Paul II. Number 17 figures in that event as well. Okay. So Pope Benedict XVI, the most recent pope, has confirmed, and he's still alive, that the third secret of Fatima is that the greatest persecution of the church will occur from within it. Okay, so the attack on Catholics, on the faithful, will come from within the church. Okay, it's not going to be like the Nazis uh, who disavow the church and attack it from without. It will be instead people who serve as Catholic leaders. Um, one of the things the Freemasons do, as I said, is create religious indifference. Okay, so it doesn't really matter if you're a Protestant, if you are a Calvinist, if you are a Catholic, if you're a Muslim, as long as you worship God and, and follow a moral code, it's okay. Okay, so that's that's religious indifference. And the Freemasons cultivate this attitude of, you know, there's the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. And these are the most important tenets and all this other stuff about Jesus Christ and how he was the son of God and um, uh, born of a virgin. Uh, he established the apostolic church, that doesn't really matter. Uh, Islam and Christianity are equal because we worship uh, an architect of the universe and um, that makes us basically the same. Uh, that's religious indifference and that's the Freemasonic agenda. Now, if you think about it, this may seem like kind of humane and tolerant, but it's also a great way to gradually over time just destroy the fabric and the strength of the Catholic Church. So why should you be Catholic 
if all these all these um, differences between your religion and someone else's are basically trivial. So you can just you can just embrace and be bipartisan, so to speak, with a Protestant because you just worship you both worship a creator God, and um, the fact that you know the Catholic priest to Mary and the Protestant does not that doesn't really matter. Or, you know, Islam, um, the fact that they have a prophet Muhammad doesn't matter. It just, you know, so why even bother practicing your faith if it's all a trivial matter in the end? If we can just be indifferent to religious differences, why even practice your faith? Why even go to church? Why not just be more eclectic or just worship nature? Um, So you know, worship the order and law of nature, which shows, you know, God's mind. And why bother joining this institution of the Catholic Church? Okay, so um, in Vatican II, we have um, more confirmation of this uh, message of apostasy that we get from Our Lady of Fatima. Uh, Vatican II uh has these ideas that seem um, subversive. It, it, it radically altered the liturgy to the Novus Ordo. So we no longer have Latin in the Mass. We no longer have the priest facing the altar. He's facing the congregation. Um, the music has changed. Uh, it's in the vernacular. Uh, and this has led to, um, this, this may, has made, made the Catholic Mass more similar to a Protestant um, mass, much more laid back, much more come as you are type feel. And there are also certain ideas in Vatican II, like a um, strong emphasis on religious freedom. Okay, so the idea that, of course, the church does not want to force people to become Catholic, but it also does not endorse the idea that um, it's your right to worship in any way you want. Okay, so um, uh, you are wrong to deny that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Um, You know, there shouldn't be a law preventing you from doing that, but it's not really your right in the sense that, um, you know, God wants you to um, pursue this course. Okay, so... Uh, also, the idea that um, you know all religions are basically paths, uh, equal paths to God. So, a Buddhist um, they can practice mindfulness and 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 um, the, uh, in, incorporate the idea that they have no real self, dissolve the ego, and that will lead them to salvation, and they will go to heaven. Even though they don't, they have no interest in Jesus Christ. Okay, so um, these kind of ideas enter the church in Vatican II. Some people say that it represents a rupture in um, church teaching in prior uh, centuries. Okay, so the catechism warns us of these end times. So this world um, is a finite world. We're moving through stages of history. It's going to reach a climax when there will no longer be a world. Okay, so it's um, 
a very um, apocalyptic vision. It's hard to fathom, but uh, this world is something that is passing. It's something that is contingent. It does not exist necessarily. It needs something else for it to exist, namely the conserving power of God. And God at some point is going to stop this conserving power and there will come an end. Prior to that end, uh, the church believes that Christ will come for the second time. Okay, Christ will come again, the second coming of Christ. There will be a final trial of the church, a time of great suffering. And the Catechism says that this will shake the faith of many believers. The persecution that accompanies her pilgrimage on earth will unveil the mystery of iniquity in the form of a religious deception, offering men an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the truth. Okay, so there will come this false prophet who will claim to offer a solution to the problems of the world that will involve renouncing their faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, And this mystery of iniquity, I talked about this in my podcast on Billy Budd, where there's a mystery in um, evil for the sake of evil. Okay, There's something mysterious about this evil force in the world that doesn't really get anything out of being evil. There's, it's not a means to an end. It's just evil for the sake of evil. It's something that is just um, irrational and um, places a value on evil for its own sake, not for some other ulterior motive, not for some benefit that it might get. Okay, that's the mystery of iniquity. And uh, according to the catechism, it's coming prior to the second coming of Christ. And Our Lady of Fatima might be hinting at this um, coming persecution and how it will happen. It will happen through evil people within the church, evil church leaders, okay? Um, this, these pedophilia scandals, okay? Um, are these, how, how does this happen? Are these people who infiltrate the church, sick people who, who, who hide themselves for years with, with incredible discipline only to, only to um, destroy the church once they get to the top, um, you know, commit these heinous crimes uh, knowing that their association with the Catholic Church will horrify and alienate many people who would otherwise come to the church. Okay, so we have things like intercommunion with the Protestants. So Protestants are very different from Catholics. Some of them think that we're going to hell. Some of them think, some of them think that Catholics will end up in hell. Some of them, um, they, they have very hostile views about many um positions of the church. I was reading today about Calvin's attack on praying for the dead. Uh, praying for the dead is something that Calvin thought was not biblical. It's not in the word of God, but, you know, in fact, it, it is. But um, there are many issues like, you know, using icons, using images and pictures of holy people. This is something some Protestants have a problem with. Okay, so um, now if a Catholic is going to have intercommunion with Protestants, it, it, it's dumbing down um, the Catholic religion. So, so it's like, uh, you know, we do things this way, you do things that way. 
it really doesn't make a difference. There's really no um, uh, significant difference. And um, let's just celebrate communion together. And I'll take, I'll try what you do, and you try what I do. Um, this this weakens Catholic doctrine. The idea that you know there is a certain uh, process that that happens in communion that is special, and Protestants are wrong about what they think communion is. Okay. Also, adapting the church to the zeitgeist. Um, you know, the the spirit of the times making the church conform to the spirit of the times. So Father James Martin, uh, women should be priests. Again, he didn't come out and say it. Um, he didn't come out and say, uh, let's let's do it. But he brought it up. And he seems to be hinting that, that we should have a dialogue about it. Let's, let's, let's have a uh, discussion about whether women should be ordained. And um, so this is a, a church tradition that has been, has been ingrained for centuries okay over 2,000 years or almost 2,000 years uh, and people are talking about changing it why because um, of the zeitgeist uh, of this current climate it hasn't been, always been this way it where um, we're supposed to think that gender really doesn't matter uh, that that um, men and women do not have separate prerogatives um, that women can do whatever men do and men can do whatever women do. Um, and even um, your biology does not confine you. You can transition to another gender based upon your psychology. Okay, so um, the church gives men a special leadership role that's countercultural right now. And some priests want to uh, conform to the zeitgeist. Um, which you shouldn't do if you believe that uh, the church is divinely guided. Um, you know, you should, you should, you're supposed to be in the world, but not of it. Um, not conform to the zeitgeist, but try to educate the zeitgeist. Um, so, uh, Francis has been um, trying to have some wiggle room on certain church practices. Uh, giving communion to people who have committed adultery. Uh, this is something that he has um, proposed and hasn't really resolved. He, he brought it up in an, in an encyclical, Amoris Laetitiae, and um, he didn't really address some of the, the doubts that some cardinals raised about it. Um, so, you know, hey, you know, if, if you uh, committed adultery, what they're, what they're talking about really is remarriage, where you have gotten a divorce um, and you are remarrying, which is not considered valid because um, in the eyes of the church, you are really still married. You're married uh, permanently. It's an indissoluble union unless you get an annulment. Um, but Francis is saying, you know, we need to be welcoming. We need to be um, uh, in dialogue with with sinners, um, but typically the idea is that if you if you are in a state of sin like this, you need to go to confession and repent before you receive communion again. Okay, so um, also communion on the hand while standing, 
Um, some people say this is irreverent. It's, it's, a, it's a new practice. Um, for, for centuries, the, the faithful would kneel and receive the communion on their tongue. Okay, now we see a lot of people standing and receiving on the hand, which again seems to equalize it with the Protestant celebration where it's not it's not the body of Christ, it's just a piece of bread, which is used as a memorial. Okay, so um, these are these innovations that Francis has brought that um, some people say are great, they celebrate, the church is loosening up, the church is um, opening up to the to the world but others see as a um falling away and and uh an apostasy and a confirmation of this third secret of our lady of fatima okay uh now john paul ii came to philadelphia where i live in 1976 i was not alive at the time but he came in 1976 and he warned that we are in the final stages of history of the world that, that it's coming to an end soon and Christ is going to come again imminently okay and as I said in the catechism there is this prophecy of a final confrontation where we have this brutal confrontation with evil itself and he says that there's going to be a church and an anti-church okay there will be a uh the, the, the people who follow Christ, and then another um, uh, group of people who follow the devil, and they're the mystical body of the devil. Okay, so, you know, this way of seeing the world makes sense to me. I don't think that the mystical body of Christ is exclusively Catholics. I think there's many people within the church who are bad, and I think there are people outside.